Now, I wonder what that was. Uh, those of us, of course, with suspicious minds who uh, understand how the intelligence services work will know very well that they use people's children to threaten them. We certainly know in the past that Blair's daughter uh, was alleged to have tried to commit suicide, although she didn't actually succeed. Uh, and now, of course, we have you in rushed hospital with mystery food poisoning. Now, when it happens once, you might say it's just coincidence. When it starts happening again and again and again, you've got to wonder if the New World Order are getting at Blair through his children, basically. I mean, I think that could possibly be the only explanation, really. Anyway, on today's show... Uh, we have, uh, we're going to be talking with people from the 9-11 movement because obviously next week is the fifth anniversary. The 9-11 Truth Movement are organising a series of events across next weekend, uh, including hosting a talk by David Ray Griffin, who anybody who knows about 9-11 will know is the author of The New Pearl Harbour. And of course the title The New Pearl Harbour is taken from the uh, Neocon document, the Project for the New American Century document, uh, called Rebuilding America's Defences, in which they say that they need a new Pearl Harbour, a catastrophic and cataclysmic event that will motivate the American people um, to support invasions of Middle Eastern countries. Um, uh, he's going to be over. He's going to be at the Conway Hall. I think tickets are £10 if you want to come along. And uh, there's also the next day that we're going to be having uh, from 11 till 5, which is where? Where is it again? Uh, the Mass in Brixton, we're having... Is That's on the Sunday, isn't it? It's on the Sunday. Sunday the 10th. We're also having some workshops that day as well, I think, aren't we? Yeah, quite a few different workshops on how to campaign better and that kind of thing. Uh, which we need, of course. And also looking at all the issues around a whole series of false flag terrorist attacks, of which 9-11 is one of the, the biggest, obviously, uh, but it's by no means an isolated incident. There's a whole range of uh, um, intelligence agency-sponsored attacks that we need to be talking about. And I think I'm going to be doing some talking on that, because what people have got to realise, of course, is that 9-11 is not the exception to the rule. When you start to look at these things and you start to see the documents that have been released under the Freedom of Information Act, you realise that they have been up to this for quite some time. We obviously all have talked about how Hitler um, ordered the burning down of the German parliament in 1933 and then blamed the Jews and communists, and of course that led to the... Holocaust. Now, that's a very clear example from history, but there are other examples. In the 1950s, um, Mossadegh was leader of Iran. To start, they were supported by the Americans because they saw him as uh, anti-communist and so on. But he was a bit of an Arab nationalist who then, once he got into power, started to uh, reject American influence. And this is now a matter of public record. It has been released in Freedom of Information documents to show that the Americans carried out attacks in the Middle East and blamed the Mossadegh regime. It was then used as an excuse to bring down that regime so they could replace Mossadegh with someone tame. And that was the, uh, the Shah, uh, uh, Revla Pavi, I think his name was, the Shah of Iran, uh, who then imposed Western values on the area for about the next 25 years, basically. And, of course, Kermit Roosevelt, who was uh, involved in diplomacy for the Americans at that point, uh, in fact, he was actually heading up uh, one of the regimes there, and, of course, the joke that everybody wants to make is it's a puppet regime. Anyway, uh, he has actually admitted in his memoirs as well about how they bombed their way across Iran and blame Mossadegh. So, you know, we don't have to look very far to find these things. Um, the only thing that's slightly worrying, of course, is these things don't actually appear in the mainstream British media. But I think we're all kind of wise to that now. We all know that the mainstream media is not there to inform us. It's, in fact, there to, to misinform us, to paper over the cracks. Hey, Steve, in, I'm just getting on to that. I'm going to introduce the guest properly yeah, now. So I was just going to put on because somebody says 8 o'clock and I have to start. So we now have the guests all here. 
We have Andy Baker, who is the chairman of the London 9-11 group. Yeah. Hello, Andy. Hello. News to me, but yeah, hello. <laughs> and Annie Mashon, who's also involved with the 9-11 truth campaign nationally, basically. And is my bird, basically. Um, Right, okay, so tell us a bit more about these uh, events. I mean, David Ray Griffin, um, from my point of view, probably from many other people's point of view, he was the, the kind of the gateway drug to 9-11, if you like. Once you've found a red new Pearl Harbor, you've got to go out to something a bit harder. Um, so how, how did this come about? How do we get a, getting, getting him over here? Because he's actually American and so on. David Ray Griffin is an uh, international figure now in the 9-11 Truth Movement. He is an eminent professor, an eminent academic, who's written a number of books looking not just at 9-11, but all sorts of other issues. And he's doing a big European tour, so we were lucky enough to nab him for the 5th anniversary weekend. And he's coming over, he's going to be doing a brand new speech. He's a very experienced public speaker, he's been speaking all over America, all over Europe, but he's going to be trying out a brand new speech just at our event in Conway Hall on Saturday night. No, right, so we get an exclusive as well. We get an exclusive. He has been subject to some kind of misinformation and criticism recently. Can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, you may be able to. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know it. I only see these things in the emails that pass, and I really can't be bothered to read the things. I've got more important things to do. But does anybody know about this? Well, I know a little bit. Andy? No, I, I haven't read this at all yet. All right, I just saw an email in which people were sort of perhaps questioning him, and I, I know that everybody gets questioned because I get questioned about my motives and everything else. And I just thought if we could clear the air about it here, that would be a good way to refute it. Um, I, know, I know you got questioned by... Well, no, I mean, if, you do, if you're getting up the noses of Fox News, you're doing pretty well, really, aren't you? <laughs> there is a, an international organisation, a grouping of people called Scholars for Truth. And these are academics around the world who've got together and are analysing facts about 9-11. And they've all come to the same pretty much conclusion that it's an inside job. For a variety of reasons. We have scientists, we have physicians, uh, we have physicists, we have um, all sorts of academics, as well as all sorts of just you know, normal people who just want to go and look at these issues. But um, there does seem to be some muddying the water going on within this group and some bickering and some arguments. And I have to say, from my experience in MI5, all those years ago, of course the powers that be are going to try and penetrate an organisation like this. They are going to try and cause dissent. They're going to try and cause splits. And all I can say to them is, please don't allow them to get away with it. I mean, certainly one of the areas that um, we had the misfortune to look at when we were serving in MI5 was looking at what's called subversion in this country, where all the left-wing groups were heavily penetrating throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s. And uh, we saw it firsthand, of course, how the government and how MI5 deals with this. Make splits, cause divisions, cause arguments, and uh, by, you know, by dividing people, you conquer them. This is the history of the British left, really, isn't it? Absolutely, and they're trying to do the same to our movement. All I would say, though, we are not a top-down hierarchical organisation. What we are trying to do is become a loose affiliation of like-minded individuals who want to look at the facts. That's all we're asking for. We want the facts. We don't, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we want to look at the issues. 
Absolutely, and um, I mean, I think this issue of, of trying to divide people is, is a very important one, and, and the lesson hopefully we can learn from this really is to kind of try and turn the other cheek and not go down the road of ego, because I always think that the, you know, the left doesn't actually split on principle, it pretends it does, but in fact it's a lot of very big people with very big egos, whose egos are often stoked by these kind of intelligence agencies. Um, as long as they can do all of it, they're always playing with the kind of frailty uh, of human beings, essentially. Uh, and therefore, um, you know, it's whether people choose to react to that or whether they choose to step back a, a, and turn the other cheek. I mean, an example of this recently with good old indie media. Now, indie media is supposed to be the, you know, the salvation. They're supposed to be putting out the truth and so on. And we've actually found that indie media in Ireland have actually taken down an advert for a talk by Webster Tarpley, who's written some extraordinarily good books on false flag terrorism. And, you know, and really, I mean, you know, you wonder why this is going on, don't you, um, Andy? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally think that, um, you know, that I, mean, I wrote an email to him today and I basically just, just said to him, look, you know, that, that this is absolutely ridiculous. People like Webster Tarpley are brandishing an anti-Semite. He's not an anti-Semite at all. I've read his work. I've met him. And by not advertising these events, they are, in fact, playing into the hands of the Zionists and the New World Order. And, of course, this whole anti-Semite thing we've been through time and time again. I mean, the phrase is actually wrong anyway. Um, you're actually anti-Jewish, not anti-Semitic. The Semitic races also include the Arabs. Um, so to be anti-Semitic principally is to be anti-Arab, basically. Um, so even the phrase is wrong. It's actually anti-Jewish. And, of course, not only anti-Jewish, we're actually anti-Zionist because we cannot stand the creed of Zionism, which actually seems to dictate that there shall be a greater Israel going from uh, the Nile to the Euphrates. And, of course, that area contains a lot of oil. Uh, and then also, of course, that they will rule the world. The Zionists want to rule the world through their Zionist king placed on the throne of this country, basically. Uh, people who might find this fanciful, I refer to the Priory of Sion's documents. Now, the Priory of Sion, people have said, doesn't exist because some documents were released that some people said were forged and some people said weren't. Well, I can tell you that one of the most best ways of trying to actually discredit a movement is when somebody's saying something right, is put in some forged documents which prove that, because then the documents are exposed as forgeries, and what they're saying then looks like it's false. And we saw this, uh, for example with the Princess Diana issue, where Mohammed al-Fayed uh, invited us in, or his security, head of security invited us in, to look at some documents which somebody was trying to sell to him for $20 million. And we could spot that they were very, very, um, very obvious forgeries. But, of course, if we'd gone ahead with those documents, given them to the press, and there'd been big headlines, and they'd then been turned out to be forgeries, people would have been less inclined to believe that Princess Diana uh, was killed by the forces of darkness. And I say forces of darkness because I'm not quite sure to this day who actually did it. It may well have been MI6 working for the Zionist agenda. It might have been Mossad working for the Zionist they agenda. David Kelly as well, didn't they? The forces of darkness. Uh, well, David Kelly did talk about actors, dark actors playing games, didn't he? And being found dead in the woods. And, uh, of course, that was presented in the British media that he was actually predicting his own suicide. But, of course, he shows absolutely no sign of suicide whatsoever. And I was reading the report the other day, coincidentally, about this. And what's really fascinating is that his wrist has been punctured lower... Uh, than, than where the knife's been put in. So clearly this is another botched, in, a botched inside job in which they've injected him to knock him out, but that injection's gone too far, too far into his wrist. They then try to cut his wrist to cover it up, and they haven't done it successfully. And this is actually from the autopsy report, would you believe? And the most frightening thing about David Kelly, as far as I'm concerned, was the fact that people um, you know, in the press didn't even speculate that he was bumped off. They've now got to a level of control where they can more or less bump off a critic of the government and the New World Order in broad daylight and not have anybody in the, in the press actually speculate that this might have been murdered by the intelligence services. Sure,
press an open letter saying that they didn't believe that happened. They just sort of that got covered up quite easily. Well, this is it, and this is one of the things you know the conspiracy theories say. Why don't you listen to the experts? Well, here are the experts. We've we've talked to somebody called Dr. David Halpin, uh, based in down in Totnes, who's very involved in campaigning uh, on behalf of the Palestinians and so on. And of course, as a doctor, he can read these autopsy reports, and he's absolutely convinced that 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 the autopsy doesn't add up, and therefore David Kelly. Uh, was murdered by the forces of darkness. Um, so this is where we are in this country, really. I mean, you know, I kind of sometimes wonder when I'm going to be here next week as well, basically. Well, indeed, yes, we'll probably get taken off the air. Although I notice next week, apparently, there is no show because it's the fifth anniversary of 9-11, which is all rather peculiar. Anyway, on that subject, uh, Andy, if you could tell us a bit more about some of these bands that are going to be playing next Sunday. Yeah, we've got a gig going on at Mass in Brixton from uh, 7 to 11. It's £5 on the door. Um, we've got headlining, headlining is a bloke called Manage, who's just released an album. You can go see him on MySpace, it's myspace.com forward slash, uh, forward slash manage. And then a few other blokes, we've got Riz MC, who played one of the tips in three in the road to Guantanamo on Channel 4. He's just released a song called Post 9-11 Blues, you can buy it on iTunes. Um, and then yeah, another, another artist called The Rubber, there might be a couple of uh, special guests, we're not quite sure on that yet. But it finishes at 11, it's £5 on the door. Um, should be good. Okay, brilliant. And uh, we've got something else going on next weekend as well on the Monday. What's that all about? Yeah, we've got a demonstration outside the US Embassy from half 12 till 2.30. Uh, it's going to be a nice, peaceful demonstration, static demonstration. We're going to go down there and lay some roses on the 9-11 memorial tree in sort of in remembrance of those who died on 9-11 in, in, since, in all the wars since, really. Um, try and make it as respectable as possible because it's obviously... We're there in mourning as such. Yeah, exactly. And I think people have got to point out that you know what we're doing is out of utmost respect to people who have died as a result of all kinds of, of terrorism, including obviously false flag terrorism. Um, and you know, and that's really why we are obviously pushing uh, to, for justice because we want to see people, uh, their loved ones, get justice. Uh, and so far, we don't believe that's actually happened. We also want to make sure, of course, that uh, false flag terrorists can't get away with it again. Because at the moment, um, the US appears to be absolutely set on a course of bombing Iran. We want to make sure that more hundreds of thousands of innocent people don't die in a Middle Eastern country for oil and money. Yeah, I think that uh, you look at Amanjad, the Iranian president, though, I mean, the way his attitude, I think, you know, good on him, basically. He's more or told him to get lost, which would rather show that he's got Russia and China behind him and possibly already even a nuclear bomb. I don't know. I mean, that could be a theory why he's being so lippy, basically, to, to Israel, you know, because he knows that he can, uh, if it goes, if it goes, the, you know, the balloon goes up, it's going to be tit for tat. Well, they promised retaliation today, I was reading, that if anything, any sanctions came in, that they would retaliate. So. Well, you know, you've got to see it, because, I mean, the sanctions regime we now know from uh, Iraq uh, only led to the deaths of a million innocent people, a, a genocide. And we know that Saddam couldn't comply with those sanctions because he didn't have a weapons of mass destruction program. Oh, no. Yes, based on based on forged documents coming out of the Italians. Anyway, let's go to a song now. We've got a special version of Walk on the Wild Side, which focuses on 9-11. Sky. Imagine 
legend, the people living for today. The color girls say. Take a walk on the wild side. One, two, three, four. Imagine yourself countries. It isn't hard to do that. Nothing to kill or die for. No religion to. Imagine all the people living life in peace. The color girls say. was with walk on the wild side i don't think we do do we somebody fabulous fabulous. great version of it anyway this week what's particularly interesting is that the national institute for science and technology in the u.s uh, have come out with a new report about 9-11 now when i first saw this reported as as usual as these things are always misrepresented um i actually uh, saw a headline saying the nist have refuted uh, the 9-11 conspiracy theories. And, of course, when I first read that, I don't know whether I was having a lapse or what, but I thought, oh, my God, my last two years of my life have been obviously down the drain. I've been campaigning for the wrong things. Then, of course, I had a moment of sanity and woke up and read what they're actually saying. And, of course, this is nothing but... This is, this is not a refutation at all. I think people need to go back to their dictionaries and look up the word refute. And the word refute is not the same as the word reject. The word refute rather implies that your evidence has, has overwhelmed somebody's argument. Uh, when in fact that's not what they've done at all basically uh, they've come up with some very spurious uh, arguments not least I find interesting is they've actually um, in fact, tried to undermine the official story put forward by the Federal Emergency Management Agency which says of course that the Twin Towers collapsed in what is known as the pancake effect when one floor fell on top of another they kind of pancaked all the way down now of course when you see those t- towers collapse they would have to pancake evenly around all four sides for it to go down that way 
Um, so clearly this is not the correct model. But then, of course, in this NIST report, they then later say that the um, shots of smoke and so on charges, what look like demolition charges going off uh, as the buildings collapse, are basically plumes of smoke being pushed out uh, by the vacuum of the falling floors. Now, they can't be both ways. Either the floors aren't falling or they are falling. Uh, but this is t- you know, typical of the kind of uh, thinking uh, that we we find in one of the phrases, of course, with this is if it was, for example, the pancake theory, <clears throat> you end up with a stack of pancakes at the bottom. You don't have pulverized dust spread halfway across Manhattan. Yeah, and in our latest um, film, uh, Short Change, we actually show pictures of buildings that have fallen over, and you can clearly see those large parts of broken masonry and so on. When the twin towers come down, we're talking about 110 floors here. Uh, you see only dust, and at the bottom. Uh, there is nothing. Of course, according to both of these theories what of collapse... What about the rivers of molten steel? Well, that's the interesting question as well, which is they say here they didn't test for in this, so therefore they've said, because they didn't test for it, uh, because they were only talking about the control, they weren't they were only talking about how the buildings collapsed, therefore it's not part of their argument. But that doesn't mean, of course, they've refuted it, it just means that they still haven't come up with an answer for it. But I think this whole NIST thing, despite their claims about how many scientists worked on this, I'd like to talk to some of these scientists, because clearly... They are not answering the right questions. We're still back to the old problem of steel melting at uh, 2,700 degrees centigrade and the temperatures from kerosene only getting up to 1,000, sorry, Fahrenheit, up to 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, what they do say in this report, crucially, and and this is another complication that they have, is that they say that the air temperature got to 1,000 degrees C, which is about 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, yes, the air may have got to that temperature, but that doesn't mean, of course, that the steel got to that temperature. It's one of those things that's designed to fool somebody who's not watching properly. It's only anoraks like us who pick up on these things, so we do all the reading. And, of course, for steel to get to 1,000 degrees C or 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit takes a lot more heat because steel is a fantastic conductor of heat, so it conducts the heat away throughout the entire structure. And again, I'd refer anybody back to, I mean, they talk about seeing all this stuff, like the video footage and so on. It's clear they've seen stuff that we haven't seen, obviously. Well, we'd say to them, well, if that's the case, release the evidence so we can all look at it. But the evidence we do look at are the collapse of the Twin Towers. Uh, To me, they look like giant fireworks going off, basically. Giant fireworks. Anyway... Uh, so, Andy, what do you think of this NIST thing? Well, I just think that uh, I know when you try and explain all this, all this 9 stuff to people, they say that we, we've got a very dogmatic argument. We want it to, we want it to be an inside job, and we fit our arguments around that. But NIST and FEMA have basically said this is the way the towers collapse without even thinking about using controlled demolition. So. Surely why aren't the people saying that they're using a dogmatic approach? Well, exactly. I mean, this is one of the things. Someone wrote a sort of joke article about, conspiracy, about con- the, the conspiracy theorists who wouldn't even accept scientific facts and scientific evidence. And, of course, that's not us. That's the people putting forward the official story, which is the most cockeyed conspiracy theory I think um, I, I've ever heard, in fact. Um, particularly interesting with this as well was they are actually, the NIST are now actually admitting that they really don't know why Building 7 came down. And this, again, is the, is the one flaw in their argument. They can always turn around, can't they, and say, look, the planes went into the buildings. But what they can't say that about Building 7. And therefore, Building 7, they are now saying they are prepared to look at the controlled demolition model. It's also an interesting question, is how many people have actually heard of Building 7? Most people think it's just the Twin Towers that came down that day. Yeah, I had this problem when I watched uh, on the news when the United 93 film came out. Um, They actually showed Building 7 collapsing to illustrate a story about 9-11. I'd imagine there's millions of people in Britain watching that thinking, what the bloody hell was that? (laughs) We've all seen the Twin Towers come down, but we've never seen, seen that building come down before. 
And I say, any other day in history, a 47-storey building had just simply fallen down in, a, you know, in any city in the world, people would be asking questions about why that skyscraper had fallen down. It's only because of the chaos of 9-11... Uh, that they've seemed to have managed to, well, at least partly get away with it. I mean, I've even had people telling me it's fake video of W of World Trade Center 7 falling down. It's, yeah, fake, it's, it's made by the conspiracy theorists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had the funds to do that. Yeah, I wish they had the funds to do it. I like about that kind of thing as well, really. I mean, um, we are talking a lot about 9 11 because there is a the kind of debate going on at the moment about whether there were any planes that day. How do you stand on that debate, Andy? Uh, I've, I've not done the research. I know a lot of people have done the research on the no planes theory and the holograms or blue. The, was it blue screen technology, technology and yeah. anything like that? And no, a lot of people do get quite pent up about it because they think they're right about it. But I think it's a waste of time trying to sort of force the issue because there's so many other glaring inconsistencies in the official report that I think it just puts people off, pe- skeptics off that we want to try and convert, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we have an amb- embarrassment of riches, really, don't we, to, 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 to mine for 9-11 stuff. So, I mean, really, going there is, is uh, probably not the best way to convince initiates to 9-11. Uh, what do you think, sweetheart? I agree with Andy on this one, actually. There is such an um, embarrassment chef, she said, oh, this is my three years <laughs> in exile in France, um, that how can you focus on something which is, you know, slightly tangential? I mean, we're looking at, apparently, a lack of plane, any evidence of plane going into the Pentagon, we're looking at um, the fact that the only thing that could penetrate the, uh, the automatic anti-missile defences around the Pentagon would be a US missile. Uh, we're looking at what happened with all the financing around this. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, uh, but, I mean, I personally, I do go for the no-plane theory because I do actually think it advances our understanding at a, at a higher level, basically, um, about 9-11. Um, you know, and I honestly think that once we go, get past this idea that no planes were hijacked that day... Uh, we take on our understanding of the story a bit further. And I think that anybody who's, who, who thinks there were planes that day is going to have to explain how a plane apparently melts into the South Tower and fails to obey Luton, uh, Newton's laws of motion, which is that for every, every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. In this case, the action of the plane hitting a building, there will be immediate reaction, and that will be the detaching of the wings uh, and so on. And we don't see any of that in the footage at all. We don't see the wings distort. We see the wings stay in the same relationship to the nose of the plane, even when the nose hit the building. So that somebody's going to have to come up with an explanation for I how mean, a plane can go into a building like that. I mean, I think a lot of people, you saw, try and convince people, and they want, they want us to have the answers. We don't have the answers. We want people to question the official story, because we can conclusively prove that the official story is wrong. Yeah. So I think we... Uh, a lot, I mean, it's okay to do the research into this kind of thing because it, it could well exist. I don't know. I've not done enough research into it. But I think people should really sort of focus on getting the real message out as to that we've been lied to because it's blatantly obvious. Whether we look at the, the no planes theory in our own time is up to us, I think. Well, this is I, pet hobby horse at the moment. Well, I actually, yeah, because I do have an explanation. I do have answers to this one, basically. And it's going to sound a bit strange. I might have mentioned on the programme before. But, I mean, I believe the explanation is that they are missiles enveloped by holograms. And I would say to anybody, get the footage uh, of the second plane going in, slow it in frame by frame, and you'll find the plane disappears and you're left with a big silver missile with two very small wings. And you can see that yourself with your own eyes if you slow it down frame by frame. How about and of course, off specialist issues and get back to the basics that will convince people that the official story... Well, I think this is interesting because I think it's the only explanation. And again, the technology, missiles, holograms surrounded by uh, missiles surrounded by holograms, again, rules out Al-Qaeda entirely. Should we go to another song now? What's the next song? It's going to be 9-11 was our what? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can have 9-11, what would you do? You can have a bit of David Icke and we're not alone up to you. Really. No, oh, go on, let's put a bit of David Icke then, we're not alone. Go on, let's put that on. <laughs> <laughs> technical problems here, uh, not least because people are telling me not to talk about the hologram theory. Anyway, well, that's a surprise. But there's a surprise, but remember, hologram theory, you heard it here first. And the reason I actually believe this is true is the fact that we have this other blue screen and uh, computer-generated image theory, which, of course, sounds like a 
complete load of nonsense to me, but is that kind of misinformation they put out when we're on the right track to try and muddy the waters. Anyway, that's enough about holograms. People don't want to hear about holograms, do they clearly? Well, anyway, you heard it here first, anyway. Let's go back to the NISCT report, because, again, with these things with scientists in... NISCT. NIST. They come up with the most ridiculous things. I mean, when they're talking about the free fall of the towers, now, we know the towers fell. Uh, one tower fell in about 11 seconds, one in less than 9 seconds. Now, this is actually as fast as free fall. So what we're at, they're actually saying is that the floors that were still attached to the building offered absolutely no resistance to the falling um, floors coming down. Uh, and that, again, is just an absolute nonsense. It's a bit like the idea they describe the building um, as, as being light in the air playoff, um, made out of, um, you know, has the power to knock this out. When you actually realise that the steel on one floor weighs, what was it, ten times more than the actual aircraft. That's the steel on one floor. So this, again, is just propaganda. I imagine America's gone out, as I say, the headlines will be there, uh, saying that the stories about 9-11 have been refuted. Well, don't believe it. Do your own research. Check these things out. So, Andy, if you were recommending to people to do their research into 9-11, to which issues would you recommend them to look at? Um, I'd do a bit of research into the Able Danger programme, where the sort of head of CIA, there was a secret programme in the CIA where they were basically putting post-it, and they had pictures of Mohammed Atta and that with, on, on a wall, and these guys came and put post-it notes over their heads so they, no one else could investigate, the FBI couldn't investigate them, and said, oh, these guys are part of the Able Danger program. So that's definitely an area to look at. I mean, they lost something like two, they wiped 2.3 well, 2. terabytes. Yeah, it's like a quarter of the Congress's National Library or something on all this data, so... I mean, it's got to be something a bit shifty there, hasn't there, really? And it's, well, also the other astonishing figure as well is the 2.3 million, uh, sorry, 2.3 billion, uh, 2.3 trillion. Let's get this right: <laughs> 2.3 trillion dollars that went missing from the American defence budget that was announced by Donald Rumsfeld on um, the 10th of September 2001. So obviously, and this, and a not, great day to bury bad news. Not, not forgetting that the uh, civilian contractor accountants were working the part of the Pentagon that did get hit on the day, and right. most of them died. Right, well, again, this is what they seem to do. And I, mean, I honestly think that plane that went down on Queens uh, about a month after 9-11 was, again, was deliberate, because what they were doing was killing the firemen who'd been in the Twin Towers, i.e. the witnesses to the control. I think the air, the air did that to them, isn't it? The, the air pollution's been doing that to them. Well, yeah, I mean, that, then, well, obviously that's going to take a bit of time. What they want to do is make sure none of these people are available for interviews, so they, they just effectively bump them off. And the ones that have given interviews, like in the Norday Brothers film, are absolutely clear that what they were witnessing was a controlled demolition. One guy says, like a controlled demolition, bop, 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 came the way the buildings uh, came down, basically. This is one of the great untold stories about 9-11 as well, is the environmental fallout afterwards. The fact that the American government and New York authorities told people that they could go back to their homes, they could go back to their work, virtually immediately after the attack, even though the air was so polluted with heavy metals and all sorts of poisons from the burnt computers and things like Mercury that. Mercury and all sorts. I mean, there's, a, there's a nun who's just a, who went and put blessings on all... On, at Ground Zero, she went to go and bless it all for about a month afterwards, and she's about to die, and the government is still not admitting that, that was, that's the reason why she's got this uh, pulmonary disease. And um, she's actually going to give her, her lungs... For examination when she's died to prove that it, it was the reason for it. That's a great idea, actually, to show these bloody people. Uh, I mean, Bush, Bush as well. Actually, going on. Bush actually took away a lot of the funding for the responders in, in healthcare because mm. uh, this isn't actually rec the lung disease isn't actually recognised as as a, a, a problem from 9/11. 
and the New York State government has actually just given the funding back. All oh, right, bloody hell. So they're, they're trying to stop it on all levels, basically, yeah, in any basically, research yeah. into it or anything else. I mean, this really is a kind of a astonishing world we live in at the moment. It really is. Um, so what other issues would you direct people to about 9-11 that you think are the kind of... I mean, you've got to look at all the war games as well, haven't you, going on in the morning at NORAD. I mean, all these fake blips are on the radars to confuse the people at NORAD and the FAA. No one really knew what was going on. So why... I mean, the year prior to 9-11, 67 jets are scrambled to aircraft are slightly off course. Yeah. 9-11, four aircraft go flying, get hijacked, go flying into buildings and... Not a fighter plane in sight. That's yeah, no, ridiculous. I, I mean, I just find, again, I find this absolutely risible. I mean, there was one argument they, that, that I think was accepted by the 9-11 Commission, was that the American government, in fact, didn't know anything about planes going into buildings until something like 20 past nine that day, uh, when, you know, or, or planes being hijacked or whatever. And it was like, you know, there'd been stuff on the telly, you know, didn't anybody in, in the State Department have CNN on, for example? And we well, know, of course, from working well, MI5, well, that when you work in MI5, um, particularly on current stuff there is a television perpetually on in the room for that eventuality because MI5 does not want the government minister phoning up and saying what's going on and MI5 would turn around and say we haven't got a bastard clue oh, basically some of their best intelligence came from CFAX well that's, that's uh, certainly that's sort of the point well, I made Bush, Bush said he saw the first plane hit the building though he said as he was going on to the, to his, to the primary school he saw the first plane hit the building even though it wasn't televised or anything like that yeah I know exactly and he, and he, he thought to himself what a terrible pilot <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least he had a thought. That was quite unusual. A very good pilot who can hit something as narrow as the Twin Towers without the use of an autopilot. You have to be a Mm -hmm. fucking brilliant pilot. On Cessna training as well. Well, This is it. I mean, you know, you talk to any civilian jet airline pilot will tell you that manoeuvring those beasties is like manoeuvring an oil tanker in the air. You can't hit something like the Twin Towers unless you're an absolute expert. I've talked to somebody who was an experienced pilot who's done um, on these on the simulation, the computer simulations, and he says it's something like about 99 times out of 100 you miss them, basically. <laughs> so clearly it's beyond the capability of pilots to fly planes into buildings, and this is where we're on the kind of no-plane theory, I think. Mm-hmm. What about the put options as well? I mean, if you chase the money, you usually find the perpetrators of any crime. And in this case, you have um, put options placed on the stock of the airlines that are affected. So you're up to about 20 times, six, no, 60 times huge, the, us- the usual dip. weekly average was put on put options for these, no, I think for United American Airlines. And I think the SEC and, and the King Commission said, well, this it's not worth us cha- following that because it's not going to lead us to the perpetrators, so we'll concentrate on other areas. Yeah. Yeah, they said Absolutely people, ridiculous. Yeah, these people have no connection to Al-Qaeda, therefore they can't be involved. I mean, it was just, again, it's like... We seem to have inquiries in, this, uh, in, in, in the world today, a bit like the 7-7 inquiry, in which these people start off with their prejudices that they have, preconceived ideas, and then they cherry-pick information to prove what they are saying. The and dogmatic the approach I was talking to you about that we keep getting accused of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I point out the intelligence services are the biggest conspiracy theorists. They're the people that go around forming policy on the basis of anonymous people telling them things uh, and not having very much information. <coughs> I mean, they really are the ultimate... That's what we're accused of, having anonymous people, unreliable sources and so on. That's exactly what they do, and yet they're getting, well, in the case of MI5, £200 million of your money every year to, to do that, basically. Way more than that now. They keep and, throwing resources at them. They still allow things like 7-7 to happen. Yeah, exactly. Now, the, the resources of MI5 have gone up now. It's about, it's about £300 million. Cost stuff to engineer that kind of thing, though. It does. It? It's <laughs> an expensive business for flag terrorism. That's right. But let's be clear about this with MI5. I mean, we saw nothing in the service indicating that, that MI5 killed people, did we? No, and 
they have gone public and said they don't have that, they don't carry out assassinations. However, there is a deafening silence from MI6. Yeah. And of course, that's precisely what we saw, and that's precisely why we went public, which was them funding Al Qaeda in Libya in 1996 to assassinate Gaddafi. They didn't get government permission, it was an illegal atrocity, and innocent people died. Now, what more heinous crime can you see? And then how can people know of that in the services and not go public about it? It was disgusting. What I find extraordinary is that people um, want to have a go at me about speaking out about this, you know, as if this is somehow disloyal to this country. I mean, well, I don't think it's disloyal to this country. Even I don't know anybody in this country who supports uh, their money, taxpayers' money being used for acts of terrorism for which they have no permission. They are just as bad as people like Osama bin Laden, worse than Osama bin Laden, mm. because they're trying... Um, to actually pull the wool over our eyes by doing this. They're trying to convince others that other people did it, basically. Anyway, let's go to another song. We've got another 9-11 song from the... What was that? The Star Striker? No, no, no. Yes. Star Sticker. Star Sticker. We'll have another one from Star Sticker. So here it is. 911 is an inside job by Chris Bidell. You know, I've been doing a little reading lately. discovered that a diffuse flame of kerosene burns at a maximum of 1,000 degrees centigrade. That's jet fuel. I also read that structural steel melts at 1,500 degrees centigrade, which is 500 degrees greater. Jim Cooper 
serving his second term in the 5th Congressional District, representing 700,000 people living in Nashville and the surrounding communities. His office is on 706 Church Street. Said Congressman Cooper, a little worried, I think. 9-11 was an inside job. 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 About a week later, I got a response. Dear Mr. Vidal, Thank you for recently contacting my office to express your views. As a member of Congress, knowing your thoughts helps me better represent all my fellow Tennesseans here in Washington. As the House of Representatives addresses a wide range of issues in the 109th Congress, I want to convey to you how much I appreciate your involvement and participation, and I will certainly keep your sentiments in mind. Congress, I work very hard to promote legislation and policies that will improve the quality of life for all Tennesseans as I support initiatives to help create jobs, improve educational opportunities for our children, and preserve our national security, health, and well-being of all American citizens. I hope you will continue to contact me to express your views on the many issues facing our nation and the U.S. Congress. Betcha, Mr. Cooper. mentioning something that record was playing actually about um, the idea that uh, Callum's come up with some new interesting evidence about the plane at the Pentagon what exactly is that? Yeah no, Callum's one of our uh, campaigners he's also done quite a bit of research I mean if, if anybody's going to look he's got about 20 files full of absolutely sort of brilliant evidence and he's an engineer he, uh, yeah he's studying as a structural engineer in Oxford um, very intelligent bloke and he actually wrote from Oxford, he wrote to the NTSB, the National Transport Safety Board, and asked them for information on the Flight 77, the one that, I think it's 77, the one that went to the, the Pentagon. Pentagon. That's right, yeah, supposed to go to the Pentagon. Yes, uh, yes p- supposedly hit the Pentagon. Even though the Federal Aviation Authority records show that Flight 77 actually didn't take off that day, and that Flight 11 didn't take off that day, but that aside... Yeah, yeah apart from those little, little flaws in it, the, <laughs> he uh, requested basically the uh, black box data of the flights, and they, they actually sent... He, didn't think he was actually going to receive anything. About three weeks later, these three CD-ROMs turned up through the post, and they were reconstructions of the entire flight from from takeoff to about it was just before before impact. As such. You say reconstructions. I mean, with the computer graphics, but on the done on the altimeter. Right. But it was all based on sort of the altimeter and, and what have you. Well, but these aren't the actual real black boxes, are they? Because they've never been found. Apparently, it was from the real black boxes. I don't know. 
You think so? Because I, mean, I don't think the Black Fox have ever found. There's one voice cockpit recorder found from Flight 93, as far as I'm aware, but no other black boxes, which Wait, again is extraordinary it, because these things are indestructible. It's, it's constructed from something. Right. <laughs> something official. <laughs> and, uh, but basically, this evidence completely sort of throws into dispute the pictures that were released by the Pentagon of a plane coming in at a very low angle, coming in, because this shows that the plane was coming in at more of a dive. So it basically proves that one of them's lying, but they're both coming from the government, so <laughs> therefore they are lying yes, the at, sort of government at the end of the day. Well, that's the other thing, of course, as well. They said that um, the flight bounced off the lawn in front of the Pentagon and then ploughed into the wall at one point, didn't they? Yeah. And, of course, there's no gouge marks, no burn marks on the lawn. And also this, this they very pebbled, light... They pebbled it the day afterwards, though, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, well, that always helps. You know, cover up the evidence. Don't look yeah. at a crime scene, which, of course, is against the law in America as well. But also the fact this is an incredibly lightweight aircraft with a carbon nose that apparently evaporated on impact according to the official story when it hit the Pentagon no, it went wall. through six re reinforced walls. Exactly, like a missile would. Uh. Yeah, but that's what they say though. One, one part of the, the kind of semi-official story says that it vaporised on impact, another part says that somehow it went through these walls and hole at the back of the ceiling of the Pentagon. Now, clearly, both stories can't be there's, true. There's another great thing, uh, the popular mechanics who are quite sort of in, in, in the anti-conspiracy world are heralded as the great people for debunking these 9-11 conspiracies. One of the, their uh, representatives was on the radio in America and he was sort of being asked, well, how do you know that these were the 19 blokes that did it? And they said, well, we found a DNA of them. But it's like, well, if you found the DNA, how, what have you matched it to? How did you know that this... You can't, you can't just... You can find DNA, but it doesn't tell you who it is unless you know who it is originally. Yeah. And just... Yeah, completely and shot himself in the foot. names foots. went on the flight list either, were they? Names so went on the flight list. Uh, check, people can check this out for themselves on the internet. Look up flight manifests and you can find it. I think, on, I think it's probably the CNN site or something like that. We can certainly download them. I mean, there are no Arab names on those flight manifests. There was no Arab DNA uh, recovered from Flight 93, was it, or Flight 77? I can't remember what it was, but certainly... Flight 97. Yeah. Flight, uh, well, everyone vaporised on Flight 93, apparently. So well, that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, it's the great thing about 9-11. It's like a unique day in history. It's the first day in history a plane's ever crashed and disappeared on impact. But doesn't that what once happens again? <laughs> the same thing, the first time ever in history a steel frame building has been brought down by fire. Doesn't it happen once? Doesn't it happen twice? It happens three times, you know, on the same day in history. And people are saying the chance of this obviously are trillions and trillions to what? Well, don't forget as well that there was a, a fully laden transport plane that had just taken off full of fuel that ploughed into an Iranian tower block a few months ago, killing, of course, everyone on board and a number of innocents in the house, in the tower block. And um, this tower block still didn't fall down. It was still framed. I mean, it's magic that it happened on 9-11 and no other day in history. Yeah, and I mean, that situation as well, because the ratio here, you know, the sort of size of a... I think it was a Hercules, wasn't it? Was it a Hercules? It was a big transport plane, whatever big it was. And it was plane, laden yeah. with yeah. about 110 journalists and various people, and it was full of fuel. And yet, this steel-framed building did not fall down. And you have to say, whatever you might think about 9-11, the fact they haven't had a proper investigation into the the real causes of why those two, those three towers fell down and yet no other steel frame building that's burned for hours falls down. I mean, it's three, a dereliction of duty. 3,000 people died. It's the biggest crime in American soil in history. Yeah, well, apart from the Indian genocide. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they killed yeah. 3,000 people <laughs> in I mean, that, 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 that went over a few years. I mean, if, if, yeah, if you I know, I know. That rate would have been, you know, I mean, the rate's probably greater than the Battle of the Somme. It's probably the greatest assassination rate of human beings in history, probably. Yeah, must be. I mean, uh, another 3,000 killed over a few hours. It must be. I mean, another big thing about the passengers on the plane if there's obviously there's a big payout to families who lost lost loved ones on on 9-11 and if you look look at all this the these people who or the families who lost loved ones 
in the World Trade Center. Something like they, they got a payout, but accepting the payout of having a million dollars, they'd signed something saying they could never speak out about 9-11 again. Yeah, now there's something easy. something like a 95% claim rate on those who lost loved ones in, in the World Trade Center. It, on the flights, it's, there's only about a 10% claim rate. So, I mean, did these people actually even exist? Well, I say, I think all the evidence shows that those flights didn't take off that day, that there were no planes. And I think I say, it's an important part of the understanding of 9-11, I think, for us to, to come over to that. Um, but one thing, the other thing as well, I can't. Well, I can get my head around because I know it's an inside job. But what I can't get my head around is why the, the intelligence services and, and other people aren't seeing this from the rooftops. Is why wasn't the steel forensicated from ground zero? Why were there no air crash investigations? And I know from the Lockerbie issue, and I know again from working in counterterrorism, a bit quiet with the beer. Um, that, that basically that is a legal requirement that anybody who interferes with a crime scene is committing a criminal offence. There is a legal requirement every time a plane crashes to find exactly why that plane crashed so the aviation industry can learn lessons from it. And as far as we can see, they certainly haven't released any reports, as far as we're aware, there have been no air crash investigations for that day. So that's four planes each of which they have to do a separate air crash investigation for, they haven't done. Well, and you worked on the Lockerbie case, for God's sake. Yeah, so no, exactly. There was an air crash investigation for Lockerbie straight away, you know, and I mean, that was, that's what happens. That's what happens by law. But what I want to know I mean, is that why... Fix that was as well, hmm. I mean... But do some research on that as well. Oh, well, so I was there in Lockerbie. I mean, this is where I come up now and say Lockerbie was not a conspiracy theory. Lockerbie, the official story, is absolutely 100% correct. And I had the, what is probably a conspiracy theorist's wet dream. I could read the intelligence services files about something at the time, I admit, before I moved to that section, I thought was a conspiracy theory. But when I looked through it, what I found more interesting was that basically... Um, they were trying to blame the Iranians for it. In fact, what you could see that they provoked the Iranians, an Iranian Airbus in the summer of 88, shot down, uh, the Iranian Airbus was, was, was uh, sorry, Iranian Airbus was shot down by the USS Vincennes in 1988. They provoked the Iranians, but the Iranians didn't play ball. In fact, what happened was Lockerbie was revenge for the bombing of Tripoli in 86. It just took two years for the Libyans to get it together. But crucially, MI6 used the British and world media to try and convince people that Iran, not Libya, was responsible. What about Malav Kintyre? I don't think about that, actually. Strange enough, I do know a couple of people, one of them very, very well, who, who died in that. And I, again, I find it very suspicious that the kind of creme de la creme of a particular subject in, in within the British state were all killed in one go, in one accident. At, the, at a very convenient time, and like they'd put them all on there together, well, yeah, there was, was never any wreckage, any footage of the wreckage, uh, ever, and no flight, no, no black box flight recorder. Oh, right, again, I didn't realise that. So, again, I didn't realise that. And I know, I know publicly, as usual, these things are blamed on pilot error, because they always are. But, um, you know, um, I didn't really know anything more about it. But I did actually know somebody very well who, who died in that. I remember it being quite shocking at the time. Anyway, let's just go back to these events for next week. We're coming into the show in a minute. Uh, David Ray Griffin is on at 7.30 at the Conway Hall in Red Lion Square. Saturday. Uh, uh, Saturday the 9th. The tickets are available from tickets at 911truth.nest.com. I also have a hotline number if people want to use the old-fashioned method, which is 0845-108-1736. Harry, there's not many left. Yeah, Yeah, hurry up. Yes, it's going to be a sellout, basically. But if you don't hear them this time, we'll probably be doing more in future. There's a benefit gig the next day on Sunday the 10th. That starts at 7, goes on to 11 p.m., 
Uh, and that's at St Matthew's Church on Brixton. Maths for the younger generation. <laughs> well, no, yeah, maths at Brixton. Right, okay, well, tell me these uh, it's things. It's a disco, know, isn't it? <laughs> a pisco. Disco. <laughs> oh, I think it's a pisco. Yeah, when's the next show? Uh, the next show, of course, I've just got to mention the demo first, and I'll mention the next show. The demo Brixton is on the, the 11th of the 9th at 12.30, Grosvenor Square, W1, outside the US Embassy. Bring um, a white flower, dress in uh, black, and remember that we are there to uh, remember the dead and to offer our condolences to the loved ones of the dead. Show next week isn't going to be on. I'm not quite sure why. It says here between the 8th and the 13th. It's a conspiracy. FM, Resonance FM will not be broadcasting as usual, which rather conveniently takes us over the 5th anniversary of 9-11. So next week's show, uh, we'll be talking about more 9-11. It won't be done on Resonance. It will be done as a podcast or broadcast on the internet. Anyway, once again, thank you much for listening. Good night.